Welcome back to the Bookbirds. Today we have a special guest on. Um, it is our creative writing professor, Gabe Gooding, and we're going to be speaking with him today, so we're very excited. Um, my name is Kylie Hagman. My name is Katherine Evenson. And my name is Marissa Medine. Okay, so um, to get started right away, um, our first question we wanted to ask you is, how is teaching creative writing different from practicing creative writing? <laughs> Well, first of all, thank you for letting me yes. <laughs> ask me to be on the program. Um, how is creative writing teaching different mm -hmm. from doing it? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Um, it's like night and day, like two different yeah. skill sets. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, uh, on the, you know, I'm teaching students how to write in strange ways, yeah. how to write in captivating ways, in mm -hmm. ways that use a lot of sense-based descriptors, and, and really how to trust themselves, yeah. you know, and how to remain interested in their own mind and their own ideas for projects and things like that. And then how to sort of develop that sense of stick to -itiveness. So that's a whole different set of skills. Yeah. You know, with me, you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to help them develop the skills that go to, um, you know, writing like, that I use every day. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's um, because of the different kind of cultural sort of notions about what creative writing is. Students come in with all sorts of weird, not weird, but understandable mm -hmm. yeah. um, ideas that I think can really thwart their ability to write creatively. So, yeah, they're totally different yeah. as far as I think, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, they both, you know, they're teaching, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, they're totally different. Yeah. <laughs> Do you, I mean, we're, we're assuming that everybody, every writer gets writer's block, um, mm -hmm. but it, it affects everybody else in different ways. How do you personally work through writer's block whenever you get it? Yeah. Okay. God, are all the questions going to be this good? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have uh, this thing that I do. Often it's, I'll write at the easiest time of day for me, which is in the evenings. Mm -hmm. And so okay. I'll try to write in the mornings too, but sometimes if I'm feeling blocked or self-conscious for whatever reason or stuff is bothering me, yeah. I don't know what, um, I'll just set it aside. What I The first thing I, I, I don't want to do is I don't want to kick myself, mm -hmm. you know? And so I just, um, I'll just start by writing in the evening. And what I'll do is if I'm really, for me, what writer's block essentially is, it's just sort of a set of like confusing emotions and things. Yeah. And yeah. Um, it can be really bad if I start to feel certain kinds of, I don't know, negativity or ex or expectations around what I'm writing. So, um, so it's a broad-based effort just to feel okay, just in general about what I'm doing, not mm -hmm. to feel, not to get upset about this or that. Um, with regard to expectations that I might have. But in the evenings, I'll sit down and I'll write while watching a movie. Okay. You know? ah, okay. And so, yeah, and it's and I'll just keep my hand moving, and I'll try not to write down precisely what they say. Yeah. yeah. But I'll use, like, a phrase that I'll start with, yeah. and then I'll, I'll you know, um, turn it at the end. Um, that's, like, basically, and just doing that over and over again until I find a thought, if I find a thought that I want to, or a feeling or a sense um about a bit of language or, you know, whatever it might be that I want to follow, then I'll follow that. You don't find that, um, like, distracting or anything to be able to I, do that? Y y it, it, that's the point, actually, to okay. distract okay. me from whatever set of thoughts that are really troubling me and that have okay. tied me up into a knot. Yeah. Okay. And if, and it's, but it's a broader, it's not just sort of acute moments like that where I have these, but it's it's this broad effort that that is a daily effort just so that I feel good about all the stuff that I'm doing creatively and I just feel like and it's the place where I can go I want to make sure that I, I develop this sort of sense that my notebook 
is a place where I can go when stuff is bothering me. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to. And I also make a point where I don't have to think when I when I open up that notebook. As a matter of fact, I just try to try as best I can to turn my sort of cognitive side of things just off. Um, and I just, you know, I'll even write the same word over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, so I guess, yeah, those that set of... Um, algorithms I'll use. Yeah, that makes any yeah. sense. Yeah. Well, we know you showed us our um, your notebook during class last week, mm-hmm. and it was just really interesting to see like the brain dump that was on there. And yeah. and yeah. I've never like actually sat down and just got everything out on paper like that. So that yeah. was really interesting to see that. It's I noticed that you, I don't know who what, who it was, but it was in the upper left hand corner where you sit, and um, yeah. we all sit. And somebody was they were started giggling as soon as. They <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's a that's a really good word for it. Brain yeah, dump, yeah, yeah. Just trying to get what's inside on the paper, um, and yeah, yeah. I definitely try to use like music, so like yeah. a certain yes. song. Like if if I'm trying to like write a specific scene or something, mm-hmm. I try to use like songs that'll help me like go yeah. through that scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Music is good. I know that um, uh, having different sort of things to distract you is really a common thing that I know that different writers and artists do. Like yeah. I translate this fella, um, Gunnar Varnas, um, and he, when he's working on his collage work, will, will have television on, sometimes music and television on, um, so that he's not thinking too closely about what he's yeah. doing, which is really interesting to me. But, yeah. Um, I feel like I always get it, like whenever I'm writing, I always get in my head and I always overthink yes. everything, which is my, like... I feel like that's what <laughs> yeah. you've been Horrible. teaching us not to do, though, in class. Like, yeah. yeah. The readings and everything. It's yeah, been, like, definitely. Aiming at, like, letting that part of us go and trying mm-hmm. to, like, just do it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think it's because of our, you know, the necessary skills that we teach ourselves and that we employ in university, which is expository writing, using languages as informational conveyance, really. Um, But creative writing is different. Yeah. It's not, Mm -hmm. it's trying to, you know, um, I liken it to listening to um, the wind in in a tree. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like a like a poplar or something that makes a lot of noise and the wind goes through. And how beautiful that is. That's what we're looking for often with language. It's it's appreciating language in its beauty, or you know, or in its um, vibrancy, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, without really, you know, needing its informational content to always be so crisp. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just a different modality of, of language, really. Like it's a difference between driving a car to, to get somewhere versus you know walking. Yeah. You know, with walking if you don't trying to enjoy it you don't have like a, a podcast yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, you, you need to be immersed in in what you're doing in a different way yeah 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 well speaking on translating our next question is like how is uh how is it working on translating works like i know you spoke about like it being norwegian works that you're translating mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How, how, you, the question is how like how is it working on those like types of what like, is it like yeah like what's it like oh because yeah. we've had like jenna on where we talked about like how she took like a bunch of journals and meshed them together to mm-hmm. make this book. So like it's it's interesting to see like someone translating works, especially in a language that like it's not very common, like mm-hmm. talked yeah. about here in like yeah. the United States. Yeah. What is it like? Uh, it's it's very different in one sense from writing um, just my own poetry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it's a it's like a four layer process. Um, so I've translated three books from Norwegian. One which is published in in September in um, in Oslo. Uh, via October Press, um, but it's like so. The first thing I'll do is I'll read through the whole book once, um, just without looking things up, 
you know, there are tons of words I'm not knowing. I don't really understand some mm-hmm. of the sounds yeah. and some of the sociolects and, you know. Um, and then the second time I go through and I make sure that I, and I just give every, every piece, every poem in the book, uh, a literal reading so that I'm trying to just get a sense as to semantically what it's saying. Mm-hmm. And then I'll often meet with the writer if they're willing, you know, if they have the time, yeah. I'll meet with, the, um, I'll meet with the poet. And, um, well, I mean, I've only worked with two poets, one in the works, well, and then two living poets actually. And then, um, uh, three, three deceased poets. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, and then I'll meet with the, I'll meet with the poet. And we'll go over all the different literal sort of, you know, renderings that I have and be corrected. And, um, um, and that's where I really want to understand where the poet doesn't even understand what's going on. I want to know those places yeah. where they're just guessing. The, and I want to know why they chose, why they made these choices as best they can. Tell me without confabulating. Um, because we do that all the time. And writers do that. I, I wrote this because of X, Y, and Z, and I think often we don't really know. Anyway, and then um, and then I I take all that, those three different layers, and I really then try to make the um, the various poems like really be poems in yeah. English. Mm-hmm. And that to do that <laughs> is um, is a very strange process, and it can be very emotionally fraught. Yeah, I, mean, I bet. Well, <laughs> I'm going to make a choice here, and it's like this really pulls it away from, say, what Pedro wants or what mm-hmm, Gunnar yeah. wants, and, mm-hmm. um, and, um, and that's why I think it's so interesting that you know the Spanish word for translate is also to betray. Oh, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. introduce wow. is, a, is really the the root of that. Um, but it's really a, a fun process. But it's really, you know, the first like three different sort of layers of it are are really, you know, quite different. They just have to do with you know, understanding the lexicon and um, the sound and things like that, and then, and then the process is pretty close to you know just normal everyday um, poetry writing. Yeah, so, yeah. I think that's Good something question. that's like for us as publishing majors. That's something that is important to be able to um, while we're publishing, while we're editing, to stay true to the author's original intent yeah. and everything, which yes. I imagine is <laughs> that's something we've like come across a lot, especially at the Vedette mm-hmm. with copy editing because. You're, you're reading someone's work and you mm-hmm. have to like fact check, copy edit and like actually like go through their work. And then yeah. if there's an opinion that may like cause a lot of strife, mm-hmm. we have to like kind of like veto it and be like, hey, like maybe this is not the best type of thing to be in here. Yeah. Right. And it, it may like like rephrasing the sentence may just change the meaning completely. Mm-hmm. So like that's something we really have to watch like as yeah. copy editors. Mm-hmm. That's such but, a yeah. That's so good to know. Because <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't spoken to copy editors about that stuff, but I've yeah. had there've been moments in my own like publishing career where I've like, what did they do? <laughs> yeah. You know? And um, but you can't help that really in some yeah. ways, you know, especially if you're dealing with poetry, which is just this weird, you know, purposely mm-hmm. strange, you know, yeah. like ultra strange language. Yeah. Um, so that's yeah, that's interesting to know. It's yeah. really a, um, it's, yeah. That whole process of writing is troubling, but then editing, copy editing, really, mm-hmm. that all those things are they're just replete with, you know, yeah, uh, difficulties, yeah, and complexities, yeah, very cool. Yeah. So, is there a reason that you translate Norwegian poetry? Like, how did you get into that? Yeah, there is. So, um, my family is, you know, pretty much all both sides of my family are from Norway. Oh, cool. very cool. I heard it growing up as yeah. a boy. My grandparents spoke it. My mother still swears in Norwegian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, teach us something. <laughs> I, I told. 
Because she would always say, is when I, she'd say, oh, fee fun, which is like basically, oh, fuck. No, we've done that before too. <laughs> 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 Taylor, go to the devil. <laughs> she didn't know what she was saying. You know, so I yeah. told her uh, three years ago and she was horrified. <laughs> oh my gosh. She's like, I've been saying <laughs> that's really like, funny. Saying this to you guys since you were little. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, so it's pretty much because of that. So cool. I started really studying the language back in 2018. So not that long ago. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I really used the translation process as a way of learning the language essentially. Um, prior to that, I translated Spanish without really knowing the language. I would, I can read it very slowly. Mm-hmm. And then I did some co-translating from Polish with a former graduate student here, Kasia Jakubiak. Um, we translated uh, an, uh, an experimental Polish poet named Miron Bioszewski, who died in 1984. And that was fun. So, and I just knew, I, I knew that, you know, translating was super fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's been really a fascinating um, experience getting to know, um, you know, contemporary poets and, um, you know, it's, it's what we actually, it's one of the most beautiful things to sit there with another writer, you know, and, and work on their poems and to really try to get inside all the poems and then to ask them about these rhythms or these meanings or these nuances. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, both like with both Pedro Carmona Alvarez and uh, Gunnar Varnas, you know, they both write Norwegian and um, they both remarked several times about the process of just how cool it is to sit with another poet and, and another writer and to think about the insides of poems together. And um, it, it, it was really a treat. And, you know, they would say, thank you, thank you. I feel like I should. And I'm like, you have no idea how stimulating this is for yeah. me. I yeah. love it. <laughs> so um, just to be, and it's, it's one of the most sort of, like, in terms of literature, one of the most intimate processes I've ever been a part yeah. of. Yeah. It's just really something else. So, and I don't, you don't, you know, with other writers in English, it's not, you know, like if you're writing in the same language as another, it really doesn't get to, um, really getting to know how intimate, like uh, intimately, how how nuanced um, the poems can be, and um, the best part is when they don't understand. I think I mentioned this a minute ago, but when they don't understand what's going yeah. on, mm-hmm. and to be able to talk about it and um, ask them as to why they did this or that, and Gunnar, who's such a um, he's such a disciplined, um, prolific writer, he took three or four different poems and just completely reworked them yeah in one poem in particular he would reworked four or five times i would translate it mm-hmm. and then he would go and rewrite it again <laughs> yeah. and he would apologize profusely like, dude there's no reason to it gets better every time yeah, yeah. it's so fascinating to see a poem like from the inside to see a poem change yeah. like that yeah very yeah. cool yeah Okay, we did want to ask um, about <laughs> your <laughs> experience teaching in prisons. Uh-huh. Uh, we just yeah. we found it fascinating, and yeah. um, we there was a, a quote that we found by you that said that you had a, a keen interest in teaching in prisons and had started creating creative writing programs within mm-hmm. them. Um, so we were kind of wondering like how that works and what success you've had with those creative writing programs. Okay, yeah. So I've taught in three prisons, um, and the first one was in upstate New York when I was at graduate school when I was in graduate school uh, at Cornell, and um, there was a Dante scholar there named mm-hmm. Winthrop Weatherby III. Um, and he's like, yes, it's a very wasp name. <laughs> um, Pete Weatherby, he, called, he's, he goes by Pete. He was a Quaker, and so Quakers are very 
you know, they're often quite, act, you know, um, politically activist. Mm -hmm. um, he had started this um, this reading group in the prison with um, another professor named Paul Sawyer, who I think he was an Americanist. Um, and this is in the mid-90s, and they would drive to um, the oldest prison in upstate in New York, mm -hmm. which is called Auburn. And... Um, it's the home. It's the, the the town in which Harriet Tubman settled, and you can see her house just oh, down cool. the street from wow. yeah, from the prison. We would drive there every week, and um, so I got to know for this. I, I think it was an entire year, these inmates. And then that summer, three graduate students, two other graduate students, and I started a creative writing program there that's still going, mm -hmm. um, and it's now called the Cornell, I can't writing project or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, so, and then I had to leave because I went down to, um, to teach. I, I got my first job out of, out of graduate school at the University of Mississippi. And while there, I was so taken with the, my previous experience, I started this creative writing program in the Marshall Cro County Correctional Facility in Holly Springs, which is just about a 45-minute drive from mm -hmm. Oxford. And uh, that program also is still going. Um, it's called the Marshall County um, Correctional Writing Project, or something like that, and it's um, it's a pedagogical platform for grad for graduate students to you know to learn how to teach basically. Um, and uh, when I got this job here, I approached a number of different um, three different prisons in the area. One in du the Dwight one, and the the um, the one up in Pontiac, which is maximum uh, security. And then this last one, which is down in um, Lincoln, women's prison. And I think it was two years. Um, I had We had graduate students going there. Um, what are you laughing at? <laughs> we looked at each other when you said maximum When you said maximum security, security, we were like, oh my gosh. We were like, is he teaching at that one? <laughs> we were like, that's, um, yeah. that sounds a little scary. That was well, really, like, courageous yeah. of you to go yeah. like, approach them. The, yeah. Um, I've, yeah, so the, the one in Mississippi was medium, and I think the one in Lincoln was a medium security, okay. and that was a women's prison. Um, and the one in upstate was, was maximum, and oh my, you know, so That would make me a little nervous. Every, all, this, all the inmates were, all the students were, um, you know, um, real criminals. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, I mean... I bet they had some wild stories. <laughs> they did, and yes, and some of them were rather unusual people. Um, yeah, it, it, it's very strange to to, um, to teach people who are incarcerated and they can't leave. Yeah. And, um, you know, it really changes your personality. Yeah. Like, remarkably, um, to be locked up like that. Yeah. And almost exclusively with people uh, who are super violent um all of the same gender pretty much and yeah. um gosh i it's but there, there were a few times when i was quite frightened i mm -hmm. remember this fellow sahid came up to me during the first tea break and said hey gabe um it's i totally get that you're afraid of us you know it was really kind. Oh, yeah, my gosh. He was, like, trying to, like, and he was like, trying to intimidate And I didn't want to, and yeah. No, he wasn't trying. Uh, <laughs> and, he's, and um, gosh, I said, I said, Sahid, I'm not, uh, I'm not afraid of you. I lied, and I don't know why, but I wanted him to feel better. And he goes, oh, dude, 
I am so afraid of these guys. You know, because <laughs> oh, no. oh, like, oh, oh, I was like, you know what? I actually am. I'm actually quite afraid of you. <laughs> and I laughed. Um, but yeah, it's, um, I, and I felt safe in the medium security, you know, down in Mississippi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, uh, um, I remember this. The difference between a men's prison and a women's prison is, is kind of stark. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you go inside a men's prison, you feel fear. There's mm-hmm. a lot of just a lot of fear. Mm-hmm. Um, but with in a women's prison, it's just it's sorrow. Yeah. You know, um, they're often mothers. I think mm-hmm. almost exclusively mothers, yeah. you know, and being away from your children like that. Oh, my goodness. And a lot of them are victims themselves, yeah. you know, victims of... Um, uh, abuse and mm-hmm. violence, um, and had to defend themselves, or were you know maybe socialized to be violent yeah. because of abuse, and you know so it's um, it's a very different experience. It's very sobering. Um, yeah. yeah. So does that program kind of like work to um, for the creative writing aspect, get their thoughts and feelings just mm-hmm. out? Is yeah. that just like the primary? Yeah, I think that's the, I think that must be one of the one of the practical things that they one of the practical benefits that they might see in it but the you know they also want need to write mm-hmm. letters back home that okay. are affecting that are persuasive that are um, um, conveying they want to convey to their families what they're going through sometimes it's a matter of like um, and I don't know how much writing is you know if phone calls but it, it can be an issue of like trying to persuade your family to come visit um, yeah yeah but um, I'm not entirely sure what I just I just what they saw in it. You know, you can imagine um, what you surmised there. Is I think that's true. Like trying to be able to see or understand what they're feeling, um, maybe sharing it with others, doing that um, yeah. in a safe kind of structured way um, with with their fellow inmates. I'm not sure. It's probably nice also to have like a creative outlet, like something mm-hmm. that's like. Not just sitting there reading a book or talking like you're creating your own yes. like yeah. world, whatever it may be. Yeah, some kind of control over your mm-hmm. environment yeah. in such yeah. a you know structured, um, regulated environment. I can imagine it being really useful to mm-hmm. have like just something that you can make yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, like it belongs to you because like one of the things in prison I feel like that I've heard is like that you don't have like a, a anything that's your own. Yeah. yeah. No sense yeah. of control. Yeah. Right. That mm-hmm. no sense of well, like everything or anything. taken from you. Everything. Yeah. yeah. Food, like it's crazy. Yeah. Or even your own sense of security in your own yeah. life. Yeah. You know? Like it's um, especially in a men's prison, it's very violent. Yeah. Um yeah. Mm. Um, okay. So moving on, this is a little bit of a different topic now, but yeah. um, bit, of a, it bit of a lighter note. <laughs> um, so it, what what would you say is your favorite genre, and then maybe like a favorite book or author poetry, like whatever you want oh to my. talk about? Oh my gosh, my favorite genre. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. If you oh. had to like narrow it down. <laughs> yeah, you can give us a few if you want. Um, well, it depends on kind of what. I don't think I have a favorite genre, mm-hmm, but okay. like I do, like I know that certain genres affect me in different ways. I would say my favorite, like my favorite reading experiences are. Um, Nonfiction. Okay. okay. Yeah. Cool. yeah. So, and I, I think what I read most is, I mean, aside from e- emails, no, I, <laughs> maybe emails come in second to just yeah. sort of, I would need to do some literate <laughs> mapping. Um, I really should do some literate mapping. Um, but 
uh, I would say um, the most influential um, genre would be nonfiction. And oh. I suppose um, the thing I most read is is just is like journalism. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, mixed genres probably. Mm-hmm. So I, I really love a mixture of um, lyrical nonfiction and poetry. Okay, okay. Yeah. I love reading that, and I, yeah. I think that's, for me, what I love most writing. Yeah. 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 Very cool. Yeah. So this kind of ties back into, like, class a little bit, I would say. Good. But okay. um, <laughs> if you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be? You mean in class? Just in general. Just like in general. Life. Yeah. But so we like, were talking you know, like about a virtuous that. virtuous life. Oh, like yeah. Bringing that, like, what would, like, if you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be? Mm-hmm. One thing. I I can make a mean vegan chocolate cake. <laughs> <laughs> no, That's know. a good one, though. Gage, <laughs> vegan chocolate <laughs> cake. <laughs> we need proof or it didn't happen. <laughs> I don't know. That's a really great question. Um, well, well, you know, one wants to be virtuous, I suppose. Yeah. And I want to be a good artist. I mm-hmm. want to be able to write things that are interesting to people. And, yeah. Um, yeah. But I don't know about... Um, yeah. I think the chocolate cake would be best. <laughs> I know in, like, Professor Cecino's class, like, it was, like, right oh, after yeah. we had, like, the virtuous life discussion in your uh-huh. class. He was, like, asking us, um, he, like, asked us to write a question about, like, life and, like, your afterlife. Oh, wow. And a lot of people were, like, oh, where do you go when you die? And then I put, like, how do you know you lived a virtuous life? And he, like, completely, like, it, like, he <laughs> oh, almost like, broke him. He was, that like, was amazing. this is the best question. Right. He's, like, who wrote that? <laughs> are, they a, are you a philosophy student? That's and I was, awesome. like, I actually just read about a lot of stuff like this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, I love that question. Like, you know, that's such an excellent question. How do you know you lived a virtuous life? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think it's one of the most important things you can strive to do, you yeah. know? And I think it, and it comports very well with, you know, art mm-hmm. yeah you know i think you know i really do think homiac is right about you know and aristotle are correct that yeah you know, um art and leisure and those sorts of aesthetic activities are part and parcel of living living you know yeah i definitely took a lot out of that reading I was yeah like, wow like, yeah. i feel like it, I feel yeah, like it really like, affected yeah. me yeah oh good that's because when i first <laughs> no, read it yeah. i'm like what <laughs> no, it affected me too. That was like yeah, one of the most know. influential readings I think yeah. that mm. that we had. And when I was reading it, I was like, okay, like I I can totally understand this, and yeah. and it really and it, like, it brings up those questions of like, well, how would I live like a virtuous yeah. life as like a publisher? Makes like, me yeah. think about it in like yeah. my own life mm-hmm. and my own writing and everything. Sweet. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about uh, an essay by uh, a, a moral philosopher named Marsha Homiak. And I first read it way back in 2008, I think, mm-hmm. in, a, in a collection of um, feminist moral philosophers um, edited by a, another moral philosopher named Cheshire Calhoun. And it's about um, the Aristotelian conception of art and virtue. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. 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 Read it if you if you have the time. Like yeah, it, it was really it was fascinating. Yeah. 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 Mind blowing essay. Um. So so we're all like big English people, obviously big writers, big readers. Um. And for us three, we would love to write a book one day. Uh-huh. And if you like, if you had to write anything for your next project, this kind of goes along with our it, final essay. It kind of goes along tomorrow. with our <laughs> our final project. Um. What would you write about? I know it's like a loaded question, but so the question is what. So if you could, yeah, if you could write anything for your next project, what would you want to write that's about? Like always what I'm asking. <laughs> You're like well, wrong question. <laughs> I'm always asking that, you know. But and so the the 
the the most recent iteration mm -hmm. of it is I've completed a manuscript of poems. It's like the most regular manuscript I've ever written, and it's I call it, it's called Laurentide. Okay. And um, it's it's kind of I don't really know what it is, but it's it's a book of poems, um, and it, it touches on animal farming. It touches on sort of ecological issues, and I don't know. Um, it would probably be something that was aesthetically compelling, but mm -hmm. also politically relevant, um, and that's yeah. that's kind of what I've tried to do with each of my each of my books, with, except for the first one, um, which is just it was that was just like straight up scatological. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Cool. I, I have a sense that my next project will also be something something ecological. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be interesting. I do. I do kind of want to read. Kind of want to read some of it and mm -hmm. see, um, get like a deeper insight as to mm. like who it's, Gabe is. It's always strange to me the work of your professor. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. I've had to read a few textbooks written by my professors, uh -huh. and then they're like, they'll call people out in class because they'll be like, "You didn't read my chapter because oh, wow. I wrote it and I remember oh, yeah. everything." And I'm sitting there in the back like, "I read it, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna try yeah. you." Um, so what are like, what is the most important lesson you've learned over your career? You all ask really hard <laughs> questions. What is the most important lesson? Yeah. It could um, be like your writing career, your teaching isn't career. Isn't what we're supposed oh. to do as, as right? thinkers? I guess so. <laughs> <Ask these hard laughs> the deep questions. Right? I, I would say it's, it would be something along the lines of, um, learning how to, um, how, learning the joys of being like, affiliative that is you know like somebody who can be in the midst of work with colleagues mm -hmm. and to relate to them as as human beings i don't know okay. that sounds so crazy <laughs> but i mean just because the work can be so intense mm -hmm. at times yeah yeah um, and i think that um anybody in a work you know working environment as intense as a university can be um for gets to relate to one another mm -hmm. um, kind of like take that step back of like yeah. not yeah. just so professional all the time but yes. like yeah. that we're all human yeah like we all have emotions. separation of like a work and life balance yeah. kind of I, th I think so yeah i'm not really sure and um this is not a good answer to your question no um it's good there's but, no bad answers <laughs> they're very open-ended yeah. <laughs> i i think it was it would be something along the lines of um you know that that Emerson quote I had I had mentioned the other day from friendship that mm -hmm. our our intellectual and active powers increase with our affection. Mm -hmm. There's yeah. something about living in a in a university setting and intellectual life, um, and and having to remember that it is about affection. Like it yeah. really is about um, you know. Um, being your best self for other people so that they can do that as well mm -hmm. yeah. um i don't know that sounds i know really sappy i suppose but i think ultimately that's that's probably the, the most important lesson i've learned um you know i mean i think on its face obviously it's true i mean it's but I, i'm talking like experientially like really getting a sense as to the importance of it not just understanding you know kind of um in principle that it's important but really just a felt experience of that um yeah. Yeah. Cool. I'm glad you mentioned the Emerson quote again because when you mentioned that in class the other day I wrote it down. I liked that quote a lot. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's well I'm going to 
talk more about that on Thursday okay, during yeah. the last class. Cool. Yeah, that's uh, if you've if you've not read Emerson's essays, I've read only like a few, yeah. and it's only like sections here usually. and there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've definitely read a lot of Emerson in high school for some okay. reason. Yeah, his essay on friendship is really beautiful. Yeah, it talks about the necessity of honesty, mm-hmm. but also tenderness. Yeah, okay. and that those things need to go hand in hand. We often talk about you know like brutal. Uh, the brutal truth or um, yeah. you know, brutal honesty and whatnot. And he's like, that's not, you know, if you're going to be honest, you should also be tender. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll talk more about that on Thursday, cool. but yeah, yeah, I love, I love, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good. Okay. Um, who has been your most important professional mentor? Would you say? Oh gosh. Professional <laughs> mentor. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. You're going to have to edit this pause out. <laughs> Let's see. I know. That was a, that was a, a loaded question, question yeah. too. Mm. These are really making you think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, why can't I remember the name of... No, this, is, this happens to me all the time. It's <laughs> okay. It's totally fine. Um, you know, I don't know... Uh, be you're, you're are you talking about like when i was coming up through like the, it could be anyone yeah. that, that you've like if you look back and you're like this person has really impacted me this as person, a, a person or like as a professor kind of helped put me on mm. on the path that i am now as a professor it could be about uh, like professor for like, as a writer life as a writer there there was a fellow named william ray arnie there, pro- there still is a fellow named <laughs> william ray arnie, <laughs> um, bill arnie <laughs> Um, and he was a medical anthropologist who taught at the Evergreen State College when I was a student mm-hmm. there. And this is a place with no grades. And um, I just really <laughs> loved and admired the way he taught mm-hmm. um, and how he spoke about um, medical anthropology, yeah. sociology, um, data, and that it should have, um, uh, that it should be used to better people's lives. And um, I wrote, I, I, the first thing I had published, I wrote in a class that he, uh, it was an assignment that he gave, and it was eventually published in a journal of, in the Journal of History of the History of Ideas. Wow. It was a history of the genetic view of the body. And, um, I, and he was so helpful throughout the whole process. He was like, you know what? You should publish this. And I'm like, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. Oh gosh, I'd say probably Bill Arney, but I mean, there's so many of them. Yeah. So many of them. I mean, yeah. um, one of the most interesting relationships I ever had was with Re- Reginald Shepard. He was a, my professor when I was in graduate school, an amazing poet. Um, and how we're just very close. Like he would make just these crazy jokes that I couldn't, I can't even repeat. <laughs> um, but, um, and. Uh, but he died, uh, I don't know, five, six years ago, the AIDS. And, mm. um, but I, and I don't really know what I learned from him or what he taught me. Yeah. Um, aside from, it was just, it was just his interpersonal kind yeah. of openness and genuine kind of just responsiveness to people. I really admired that in him. Um, quirky person. Um, there was, and then there was another, um, Rita Pugales. She was a sociologist when I was, um, again at Evergreen. Who, mm-hmm. And she, um, 
ran seminars in this way that was so it's put everybody at ease you know you know how it, it's yeah. intense yeah. it can get as a student and yeah. there's all this anxiety especially if um you know it's a seminar and you're discussing things that are really difficult and um you don't know what you think about them you don't mm -hmm. know what you feel yeah. about them and she was so good at just helping people be kind of comfortable in their own skin and to be able to start speaking without really knowing um, what it was they wanted to ask. Just, yeah, she was just great that way. There are some, I don't even know what you call that skill. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I feel like I know. I've definitely seen that in your class. Though. I was like, going to say, yeah. yeah. You've They're... definitely tried making it, like, more comfortable, like, mm. by saying, like, oh, like, it's not a bad thought, like, <laughs> yeah. just, like, yeah. say something. Yeah, there are a lot yeah. of, like, big ideas that mm. we talk about, very Huge broad, ideas, yeah. very intricate, and there are times where, like, I, I say something and then I'm like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. But, yeah. you know, that's yeah. something that everybody in the class and you kind of are like, no, like, yeah. they're all ideas. Yeah. yeah. And I think, with, especially with difficult ones, mm -hmm. not knowing how to start the question and just sort of yeah. fumbling around, those are often the moments when somebody will achieve the most insight. Yeah, you know, that's because true. Because they're, they're, they're sort of carrying forward all these different conflicting kind yeah. of ideas. Um, yeah, so it's those ones when the student doesn't really know, you know, or I don't, you know, that I think could be the, the most fruitful. Yeah. yeah. So, and I, and I learned that through, you know, by talking... Um, watching Rita Pugales, you know, help students talk about, like, the stuff that we're reading and the, the things that they're thinking and feeling um, and just being welcoming of all that stuff because mm -hmm. it's not about being articulate. It's about achieving insight. You yeah. Know? yeah. And, uh, um, you know, some of the most rich, some of the richest seminars I've ever been a part of or classrooms have been just sort of people sort of kind of, stumbling through sentences and things yeah. like that you know yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah well to kind of to kind of close us out for today um is there anything so we asked you a lot of questions mm -hmm. is there anything that you kind of had in your mind that you wanted to talk about that you wish that we had ha had asked you that like you how would you answer that question <laughs> how would you answer any of those no, i was okay so i was i was listening to the podcast you did with jenna uh -huh. mm -hmm. and i was like i think you asked her about like um some influential teacher and i'm like oh, i can remember one yeah <laughs> so okay, um, yeah. i remember in high school my ap english teacher mm -hmm. um her name was Catherine mclaughlin okay okay and um she kept talking about her her son, Kyle, mm -hmm. Kyle McLaughlin. <laughs> yeah. okay. And this is in this is in Olympia, Washington. And uh, she would say, "Oh, he's gone. To, he's gone to Hollywood to be an actor." Mm -hmm. And um, I was like, "That name sounds." So I was gonna say. I'm like, <laughs> I I'm like, like trying to think. <laughs> so every time I see Kyle McLaughlin in like Dune or such, or or no. um, oh wait, Hollywood, wait, yeah, so no, why? Like, I, knew <laughs> I knew you're yeah. wrong. No <laughs> way. <laughs> and that's why you're awesome. But I remember her. Yeah. So. I was all prepared to talk about Catherine McLaughlin, and Ms. McLaughlin. She insisted on being called. And, I'm flabbergasted. Um, what an amazing teacher she was. Cool. Just a great, and um, she's since passed. But um, I remember um, the. I just she would she would just stress the importance of of literature. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's like we've talked about in mm -hmm. class. Like it, people think that literature is this sort of escapist thing, but it's one of the most practical, important things we can do is yeah. to read literature and to talk about literature and to be good stewards of literature and i i think i got that from ms mclaughlin yeah um, and uh 
I, I have a fondness for her son because she's, you know, she's, you can see her message yeah. in his. Um, so, yeah. Cool. That's really cool. That was a cool, that was a good answer yeah, to, that's to kind of end it on. Like, do I have any teachers from like elementary school through high school? Yeah, <laughs> like someone yeah. that's cool. Yeah, that's that's really great. And I feel like this is like this has been such a great conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially like I feel like I have a deeper understanding of like who you are as like yeah. a professor. Yeah, and like especially for our last episode of I the book it, birds yeah. as like at the vedette mm. honestly i found this like this podcast is one of my favorite ones yeah. this yeah. is really good. cool yeah. yeah well it's just a great honor to be asked yeah. it's really nice so <laughs> thank I'm you really for coming in. yeah we were really excited about it yeah book birds podcast so thank you yeah all right is there anything else? no I um i think that's think it that's well it. i just we're wanted to like i think we should say a thank you to like jp mm-hmm. jenna yeah. Gabe, um, Sean, yeah. everyone that's been on the podcast. Yeah, all of all our of listeners. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's been like it's like been a, like a privilege to like be able to yeah. make something, especially in a college where yeah. you know you're trying to find yourself. And I feel like we found a great friendship that's amongst true. all three of us. Yeah. And I feel like as like English majors, as publishing majors, it was really cool to be able to have this outlet to talk about things that sometimes aren't like socially acceptable mm-hmm. to be like let me talk about this book but here yeah. we had like the freedom to be able to do that which is really cool so um true. so we really especially, like trying to get your voice out there yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. like starting somewhere like yeah we started just randomly <laughs> and look at like we're 23 episodes in so yeah. this has been like cool. something yeah. that we can look back on and yeah and, like yeah remember yeah. yeah and hopefully we continue yes outside yeah, of like the that. vedette obviously yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, of course. Well, one thing I really have enjoyed about the yeah. presence, your presence in class mm-hmm. is is that whatever you're doing here or whatever sort of um, chemistry you all have, mm-hmm. you bring it into the classroom. <laughs> and it's so good for the other students to see that the comfort that you have about the stuff and the inquisitiveness and the yeah. curiosity that you bring yeah. to the material. It's great. So well, thank, thank you. Thank you. We appreciate it. Yeah. Well, well, I guess this I has been the book birds. Yeah. <laughs> the book birds. Uh, right. Catch us on Twitter. We're probably going to try rebranding ourselves yeah. as non-ISU students, but Kylie will still be here another yeah. year at ISU, mm-hmm. but she will be hopefully just doing the book birds with us yeah. separately. And then Marissa and I are both graduating. Um, I'm yes. going off to do the Disney College program in June, um, so I'll be there for about six months, which will be fun. Um, and I know... We're, we're both kind of looking for publishing jobs yeah. as well. And grad school, so I'm going to be going to grad school mm-hmm. and then publishing, hopefully somewhere, and Kylie's going to Ireland for yeah. the summer. Yeah, study grad. <laughs> so we all yeah. have, like, very different directions, but yeah. it's really so fun. We hope to continue this and hopefully have guests on in the future. Yes. Maybe we'll, we'll ask you to join our Zoom <laughs> we'll, again. We'll do a Zoom, yeah. <laughs> yeah I love that. But thank you so much for yes. joining yeah. us today. Yeah. It was really much. fun. Real well, guys, thank this you. is The Book Birds. Yes. I'm Marissa. My name's Catherine. And my name's Kylie. I guess we'll see you next time. <laughs> All right. <laughs>